All right, Daniel chapter 9 tells us something. Listen to this, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books. Okay, he understood. They were in captivity. Everything was wrong. The church was defeated. And all of a sudden, Daniel, sitting there reading the word of God, he said, oh my gosh, look at this. So it's penned here in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel understood something from reading the word of God. Prophecy in the word of God is to be understood, perhaps not totally in detail, but certainly in its main points. Daniel knew that something was about to happen. Look, and I'm telling you, there is that sense in our nation. To those who have their head out of the sand and their face in the Word, they know that something is about to happen according to the book, according to the Word of God. You've got to. You absolutely got to now. Daniel knew it, and Daniel was moved. Because look at verse 3. Daniel says, And I set my face unto the Lord God, to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Remember, we are fasting this Wednesday. Fast this Wednesday. Come here, meet with us at 7 o'clock, and we're going to cry out to God. So Daniel saw in the books, in the Word of God, he saw in his nation, man, this is not right. He saw no oomph in the church, no spirit in the believers. And he started reading and crying out to God, and he saw the promises of God in the Word of God. Amen. Look, the promises are all there, but if we don't go after them, if we don't, if we don't claim them in, as ours and cry out to God and hand battle the enemy, they'll just pass us by. They really will. They will. So Daniel says, I set my face. Now look, this implies the determination in prayer that we don't have. We don't have it. We just don't. We've been on a cruise instead of a battleship in America for a long time. I know it. I've been cruising too. But those days are truly over. They're over. You've got to know that our country is no longer the same. You've got to know. You have to admit it now. So Daniel set his face, that determination. Daniel had a goal to reach through prayer and approach God as a man who would not be denied. That's what we want for this church. You've got to have this tenacity inside of us. And so he went after it with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. This is a, a type of a humble heart in approaching God. Fasting, sackcloth, ashes are emblems of humiliation and mourning. You throw yourself at the mercy of God. It's a way of getting away from everything. Not having to look you're beautiful to get a hold of God. Turning off everything that distracts all noise and just concentrating and, and getting a hold of Almighty God while there's still time. Daniel was determined to do whatever it took to get his job done in prayer. He let nothing, no stones unturned, undone that might possibly make his prayer more effective and more persuasive to God. Lord, God Almighty. Look, coaches look for it all the time. All the time in their players, you can have someone who's so doggone gifted, but he has no spit, no spark, no fire, no passion. He'll be nothing. Somebody with half the ability has the passion, 
That'll catch the eye of the coach. James says this, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, the word of God says. Now, I'm almost positive we don't have this. At times, it spurts, we do. This confession to one another, confessing to another in the body of Christ is essential because, look, sin will demand to have us to itself. Sin wants to pull you away by yourself. To take you away from the place where you should be on the ship. To remove you from that position that you're supposed to have. And so sin and all its subtleness and secrecy comes and pulls you away. There's not one demon, one devil that wants you here in the house of God, here in the word of God this morning. They want to pull you away, have you do anything and everything but come here. The idea of fervency in prayer, it's a constant, it means strong, strong, like a battleship. It might be rendered uh, literally very strong or hot. Man, when Bismarck rolled off the, the docks into the water, that's all they wanted was to hunt down that Bismarck. It was blowing ships, the greatest ships they had out of the water, miles before they got near them. And so the battle cry went out, sink the Bismarck! Because of its weaponry and its power. Look, much of our prayer is not effective. It's just not. The American prayer, much of it is not effective. You have to admit it. A lot of us just mumble repetitious stuff. Our Father who art in heaven, come on! Something should be coming from the bell deep inside of you, through your heart, your agony for your nation. Riots are breaking out in cities now all over. Americans hating each other, killing each other, ramming cars into each other. Most of our prayers are offered kind of like with a lukewarm attitude. We're virtually asking God to move on something we really don't care about. And if you were here Wednesday, you had the blessing of seeing that Korean girl weeping and crying, the North Korean girl, trying to explain to us. She didn't mention God. I don't think she saved. Wasn't a godly video. It was just a little Korean woman trying to get out the plight of the North Koreans because we just want to nuke them. And she's weeping and crying and saying she'd rather kill herself to go back to this city. And after that, I remember Bruce got up and started praying, Lord, find her, find her, God, find her. Because she was escaping across the desert. And she said, actually, she felt in her life there was no one that cared in the world about her. All she had was the stars over her head. And I believe that moved the people that were here Wednesday night. And I believe you prayed with fervency and passion for that girl. And I believe God moved for that girl. Because we woke up, took the dust off, saw something literally between our eyes. And went, oh my gosh. Lukewarmness, haphazardness. 
Some of our most moving prayers that I have ever seen in you and heard from you when you was in an absolute desperate situation. When you were in a desperate situation, you went to a level that I have not ever seen you go to. The whole mess of our nation is because of the church. It's because of the church. It's because of the church. The answer is in the Word of God. The scripture I most hate to read anymore. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, if my warriors, if my sailors, if my marines, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The biggest word in all those tremendous scripture is if. The smallest, biggest word. Our whole nation is teetering and tottering on if. If it is used as a sign of a condition or it introduces a condition, I will heal everything if. I will move if. Your land will be touched again if. God simply promises to hear the prayer of his humble, prayerful, seeking, repentant people. He will bring forgiveness to his people and healing to their land. And you know, if you've been here at any length of time, God works best, but everyone else says it's too late. It's too bad. They stepped over the line. He's dead. He's been dead for days, Bruce. It's too late, Bruce. That's when God steps in. That's where we are. God is saying, General Colders, here's what's going on in the land. Listen to this. You know, Daniel is considered the revelation of old, the Old Testament. This is what's going on in the land and probably many churches in our land. Daniel 7, 14, New King James says this. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, Shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those near, those far off, in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. Man, I would get kicked from here to next Sunday if I did not report to my post when that alarm went off when I was in the military. I'd be thrown in the brig if I did not hear the call. Moved by it. Just, he's just about to make that pot. Wait a minute. Verse 8 says this. Oh, Lord, listen now, listen, please, and think of your country. Think of our leaders. Think of the fathers. Think of the family. Everything. Think of everything. Oh, Lord, to us belongs shame of face to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. 
That's our nation. I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. <clears throat> Daniel knew that Israel's sin was not God's fault. This is not God's fault. This is not God being a meanie. God was utterly righteous and blameless. That's, blameless. That's what he is. Utterly right. Everything he does is right. The shame of faith belongs to Israel. Belongs to us, not God. Belongs to church. Not Trump, Obama. Name them, not them. We're the light and the salt. We're the ones to be manning the battle stations. We're the one that hears the call. General quarters, general quarters, all hands on deck. They don't hear that. The Spirit of God inside of you. It would be easy to complain to God about Israel. Church, look, we got all the media against us and no one likes it. Now they're going to text the church. It would be easy to complain to God about the problem. Look, Daniel didn't think for a moment that God was too hard on Israel. No, 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 he didn't. He knew God was completely righteous and right in what he was doing because of the failure of the people of Israel. It's a miserable failure. It just is. All this can be absolutely turned around. It's easy to complain. Complaining puts the fault on someone else. That's what it does. You think it takes the fault off of you, but it doesn't. So instead of complaining, Daniel confessed. Daniel confessed during times of great revival. Listen to this. You've got to listen. During the times of great revival among God's people, the Holy Spirit would always bring a deep conviction, a weeping over sin. If there's a deep groaning over the sin of your nation and the powerlessness of the church and you yourself, then we're close to revival. But if we're just still walking, if that hasn't been revealed or shown to you or you even see it or you have a taste of it, then we're far, far from a move of God. Great revival among God's people, the Holy Spirit, always brings a deep conviction and awareness of sin. When that is responded to rightly, and confession is made, God moves all the time. All the time. Here's a fellow by the name of Edward, J. Edward Orr. Didn't know about him. He's a preacher years ago of true revival, and this is said about him. Some men read history, some men write it, others make it. So as far as the history of religious revivals, J. Edward Orr belongs to all three categories. He offers his thoughts on confession appropriately made. Now listen to this, okay? If you sin secretly, confess secretly. If you sin secretly, confess secretly, admitting publicly that you need a victory. <clears throat> if I'm struggling with some type of sin, I go to a brother I trust. 
Bruce, come over and pray. Bruce, I just can't seem to get over this, please. There's a tremendous release and healing through confession. Sin secretly, I'm not going to come up before you and say, hey, everybody, I just... You take a brother you trust or a sister you trust. If your sin is openly confessed, then you should openly confess it because I'll tell you why. Because there's multitudes around you that have watched you that are probably stumbling by what you're... What? Did you see? Bruce, uh, Bruce the one that Pastor Lee... He was at the other day. I saw him. The only way that can be reversed is openly confessed and said it was a weakness. I shouldn't have never. I beg your forgiveness. Now, there's a reason for all this. Listen to this one. If you have sinned spiritually, prayerlessness, not all hands on deck, lovelessness, unbelief, then you confess to the church, for you have indeed hindered the church. All hands on deck. For whatever reason, Tyler doesn't run to his position. We take a mortal blow to the position where he is. But he's not there. You hinder the move of the church. You hinder it. Is what God says. I don't know if Americans believe this. Verse 9, Daniel the reveler in the Old Testament says this, To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against Him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses and the servant of God have been poured out on us because we have sinned against us. Look, I don't care if they call it cyber attack, a deficiency of a leader. We have ships running into each other. 17 sailors died. Most high-tech stuff in the world. It's because the hand of God's coming. You think it was us that did all that cool stuff and all the wars and won all the... It was the hand of God. Now we can't even dock a ship in Singapore on our own. It's the hand of God. Verse 12 says, And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judge us. God has spoken the words against our judges who judge us. They'll let everything under the sun go on in our churches, but they won't let a coach kneel by himself somewhere in the corner and pray. We got the judges that we deserve. That's true. You don't think so? Grab a Bible and go kneel in the 50-yard line or somewhere. Take some boys with you, some team, girls, whatever it is. I don't even care. Verse 13 says, as it is written, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God. What else got to go on in America? What's got to go on? Pull down the Statue of Liberty? They, they might. I don't, I don't know what else has got to go on.
Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. That's crazy. All these disasters have come upon us, yet there's no one standing up calling for national prayer. No one's standing up saying, we got to fast and pray. Humble yourselves. We're just going to the next game or whatever. Westmouth Kingdom, to my shock, has asked me back for the football. They got rid of the all whole coaching staff for whatever reason. That's up to them. And I thought, well, that's me out the door. And I, and I found out I was back. And I went, I went back last Thursday or whatever it was, Friday. And I met the new coach, and he seemed sweet and all for it. And I told him, I said, look, I ain't here to tell him how to win football games. He was, he was all for it. So I ask again that you would pray. Because even driving there, I'm going, Lord, again, all over again. I just did this last year. But here I am again. I don't have a clue what to say to them boys. The door opens. I walk in. And I hear at least 12 of them going, Pastor Joe! It was all I needed. Seriously, please pray. Because I only have minutes with them. Minutes. Even when in Daniel's time and in our times, even when they faced great trials and calamities, Israel still did not say, you know, we better go pray. When's the church praying again? We better get there. We better pray. Things are out of control. When we see or sense trials and difficulties, it should drive us immediately to the prayer. This is what kind of has stirred this message maybe in me because of this. When we are not so driven, it should be a wake-up call. It should be a wake-up call. I would think my phone would be blowing up. Open the church up! Open it up! I mean, we're losing our kids. We're losing our counties to drug addiction. We're everything. Now here, here's how we need to pray for our nation, okay? Don't, don't be discouraged. I mean, all we're saying, remember, all I t- said, this is a 20-inch 20, 20 trip, that's all. I'm not asking Nate and his wife with all his children to try to go off to Syria and be, no, I'm saying go 20 inches. Help me go 20 inches. Help me. So here's how we pray. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12 says this, Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But Lord, our eyes are upon you. Lord, our eyes are upon you. God, I don't know how to stop riots. I don't know what I can do with all this insanity with judges in our nation so blatantly. But Lord, we're not going to quit. Lord, our eyes are upon you. 
Don't you understand one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to get your eyes off of God and on the problem, on something else, anything else. You must fight to keep your eyes on the Lord. You must fight to stay focused. Ah, you're not going to like this. So we spend all these years, VBS and all them small little years, trying to get your child formatted into things of God, in the habit of coming to the house of God, liking God, liking church. And then he hits the years where sports dictates he goes everywhere, anywhere but. And then when he's 15, 16, 17, we've lost him. Anything to get our eyes. Look. Matthew says this, and he said to Peter, remember, come. And Peter came down out of the ship and walked on water, walked on water. The best our nation can do is make movies of, and they're coming back with all the Marvel dudes, whatever they're called. What are they called? I don't even know what they're called. Superheroes. And here's a dude, fisherman, cussing, not believing, walking on water. Because God commanded, go ahead, walk. And what's the enemy do? He cannonballs his life and waves come up and it takes his eyes off of God and zump. That's what happened. It's cannonballing all our sailors. Distracting, taking their eyes off of what they're called to do. Well, when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried, Lord, save me, save me, Jesus, save me. Anything to take his eyes. Psalms 85, 6, pray this. When thou, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? God, you've got to revive us. Do you ever see some trauma, something going on, you're going... <laughs> Trying to bring that person back to life. It's not cute. It's not fun. It's high stress. It's horrible. Might be bloody. But they're going, God, will you not revive us again? Because, Lord, if you don't, I won't be able to praise you. I won't be able to rejoice in you. Take this cloth of death off me, God. Revive me, Lord, revive me, which means restored to life and health. Revive new hope has been my prayer. Revive us, oh God, revive our prayer time. Please, God, revive our hearts. That's a prayer. Pray it's scripture. Jesus prayed scripture. You can. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Oh, God, please revive my dear friend. Oh, God, please revive him. Pray Habakkuk 3, 2. 
And I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with all by your amazing works in this time of deep need. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, Lord, please remember your mercy. Remember your mercy for our dumb nation, O oh God. You remember when God had it with the people of Israel and he was going to waste them all. He was taking them out. He was taking them out. And one person kept praying, oh God, will you please, for the sake of Lord God. And it was Moses that turned God's heart around. As he prayed, he said, Lord, you can't, don't waste them in your anger, God, don't. God said, oh, okay, Moses, I won't. My translation. Secondly, pray scripture for your nation. Look them up, find them. There's lots of them. And pray with a desperation. I, I don't care if it's boisterous like Alan or moaning and groaning right there and I can't even hear you. Have that desperation. That I've heard from you saints through the years, throughout all the years. Matthew 6, 6 says... But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. And when thou hast shut the door, shut the door. When you go in to have intimacy with Almighty God, when you go in to bear your soul, when you go in to be totally naked before God, shut the door. Pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Shutting the doors, staying focused. It's getting intimate with the Lord and getting rid of all the distractions. Shut the door. If you have children in your house and you want a moment of intimacy with your wife, you shut the door. God says, shut the door when you come and pray with me. Don't come down here and talk. Shut the door. Don't come down here and visit. You have to pray to shut the door and the distractions. You've got to turn off everything that distracts you. And I love worship music. I don't know them all. I have certain ones I just play over and over and I play them loud, but there's still at times I have to just turn them off. I can just concentrate on God. Shut the door. You need to learn to shut the door and say, no, not tonight. I'm going to prayer meeting. No, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you Thursday. Thursday we'll do it, okay? I can't tonight. Daniel, remember, he said, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I set my face. Listen, in other words, I give the Lord my attention. Please, I have to ask you, what has your attention this morning? I know a lot of our teachers... They have to worry about children who have small attention spans. And they have to teach a certain way. And this, I don't, they need to teach me. I don't think we have very good attention spans. 
What has your attention this morning? Stock market? It's been doing pretty good. How do you know? Oh, I don't know. Someone told me. No, you've been watching it. Has your attention. How about your children? Your children can demand all your attention. How, how can it be God redeems you, saves you, puts a spirit inside of you, calls you to his service, all hands on deck, blesses you and entrusts you to raise his children by giving you children, then those children take you away from church. And, they're, and then they, no time for the youth ministry. Can't go to the youth ministry. Ask them. Ask them when they lose the kids. It's because it's not all hands-on. We have the majority of the ship is unprotected. And we're, what's that commercial, you know, ghosts? I don't know. I, I don't do it right. Sleep good, sleep right, because the greatest Navy in the world is protecting us all. And they've got all these ships all over the place. And now they're, they're ordering and making sure they're all being trained right. They slashed the budget so bad, ships are down to, what, what, maybe 300 ships. We used to have 600 ships. They don't know if they're pushing the sailors out too fast. They don't even know if they know how to drive the ships anymore. They're trying to check it all out. Sleep tight. <laughs> I'm not picking on a Navy, please. I love our military. I do. But our might... It's not in the military. It's an almighty. It's an almighty God. What has your attention today? I've actually been praying for a while now on Wednesdays, and you've heard me, praying for more awareness of God. God, I want more of awareness of God. I want more of awareness of God. And I'll tell you what, I'm, this might sound stupid or silly or just saying what. So I get up, I shot to McDonald's this morning, <clears throat> and it was kind of crowded. I'm like, oh, I don't have time for all this. It looked like it was moving pretty good, so I got in line and just finally took my order, just started to turn, get my wallet out, and I actually failed and pressed to pay for the guy behind me. So I'm looking. I don't know. And I went, this is where I went, Lord, is this stupid or is this you? I mean, is this just me being stupid? An awareness of God. See, what does that have to do with the plight of our nation and the weakness of the church? Buy a guy whatever he wants behind you. All I want to be is tenant to the Lord. I want, I want the Lord to be able to say, do it. Just do it. See, what's the Bible tells us? If you can't be faithful over what? Little things. How are you going to be faithful over big? Praying to a mighty God to move on a depleted world and nation is a big thing.
So we've been praying for more awareness of God on Wednesday. And now we're starting to fast this Wednesday. We'll be fasting. We're looking for a desperation, a desperate time of prayer. Not going to fake it, not hyped up. We need to get a hold of God. We need to be like Jacob. Remember when Jacob wrestled with the Lord? There's no way he's going to win that fight. No way he's going to win that battle. Jacob was left alone, shut the door, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hall of his thigh, and the hall of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jacob still would not let go. I got to still. I don't think I'm going to church today. This guy's, it's out of joint. And he's still not letting go. And he said, let me go. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. There is a time we cannot let go. Look, what do they say? You're going downhill when you're 40. So if, if you're 40 and over, raise your hand. Yeah, there's always something wrong with you. Isn't there? You can sneeze and ruin your back for a week or a month. Is it true? There's always something. Yeah, and if you're 30 and under, you probably ruined yourself with sports somehow, like us older ones did. That's true. Jacob said, I don't care how I feel. I don't care about excruciating pain. I am going to get a hold of God until he blesses me. Blesses me with answered prayer. Blesses me with a sweet marriage. Blesses me as I watch my children raise their hands and give worship to Almighty God. Blesses me as I watch VBS prosper and grow. And And then the fervent praying like Jesus. Remember how he prayed? And then the Bible says, in being in agony, he quit. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Look up the word agony. I, I didn't, but look it up. It's not mild headache. You know, it's not sunburn because you laid out too long. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were, not blood, but as it were, great drop. He was praying. What was he doing? It's for you. He's praying for us. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And then one time he walks up to a city, and he weeps over the city. I might have. I might have. Can't quite say I definitely never did. I might have wept over Zanesville once. Maybe twice if I want to be braggadocious. 
I never wept over Detroit or Houston, L.A., Kansas City, Charlotte, Miami, Pittsburgh. I've never wept over them. The church should be weeping over these churches, over these cities, New York, Atlanta, on and on you could name them. Our cities are falling apart. The Lord is sounding general quarters, all hands on deck. Let's stand. <clears throat> I don't really know, and I hope I don't have to explain the altar call. If I have to explain the altar call, then I failed. <clears throat> also, listen to me. I don't mean this as some scolding, some mean principle, and you've been called into my office. I, I'm not called of God to do that. I'm called of God to warn. Called of God to sound the alarm. Our God is a merciful, loving, unbelievable God that will even take me and give me another chance, give me another opportunity to get a hold of him. This battleship, USS New Hope, has been commissioned by Almighty God, and we are in dangerous waters. The enemy is all around. And they're getting closer. And they report it all the time on those movies within 6,000 yards, within 5,000 yards. And so we must pray. I'm reminding you, as a church, we come together on Wednesday. 7 o'clock. To pray, to beg God, to have mercy on our nation who shouldn't have or deserve any mercy, to bring back his godly presence and strength in the house of God. That's what we're doing on Wednesday. Our altars are open. Please play that wonderful song. I'm asking for the Spirit of God to move upon you. The Spirit of God move upon you, make you more awareness of God. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, then maybe you have actually never been born again. Never. Just come to this altar, look at me, and you and I will have a great talk. Our altars are open.